This is Real Estate News with Kathy Fedke. The killing of George Floyd by a Minneapolis police officer unleashed anger across the country over the mistreatment of blacks throughout American history. Inequality can manifest in many ways and in many parts of our culture, despite the laws that outlaw discrimination. Our housing and financial markets are no exception. Although the practice of redlining was banned more than 50 years ago, Redfin says that black families continue to feel the impact. I'm Kathy Fetke, and this is Real Estate News for Investors. Redlining came into being in the 1930s. The Homeowners Loan Corporation rated neighborhoods on their overall likelihood of default or mortgage security. The best neighborhoods were rated with an A and marked as green on a map. Still desirable neighborhoods were rated as B with a colored blue on the map. Neighborhoods in decline were given a C rating and were marked as yellow. The D neighborhoods were considered hazardous and were given a red color. Those neighborhoods were referred to as redlined. Urban areas that were predominantly black were most likely in those redlined neighborhoods. This policy was outlawed in the 1960s by the Fair Housing Act, and the Community Reinvestment Act of 1977 encouraged more lending in low- and moderate-income neighborhoods, but the impact on generational wealth is still being felt in those formerly redlined areas. Redfin says a typical homeowner in a previously redlined neighborhood has gained 52% less personal wealth than typical homeowners in green-lined areas. In dollars, that amounts to about 200000 Redfin also said that black homeowners are five times more likely to own homes in those previously redlined areas. There are many factors contributing to the racial injustice. It isn't just redlining. But when real estate is so highly prized for the building of personal wealth, anti-racist lending policies become that much more important. Chicago Redfin agent Brittany Walker said in a statement, It's a tale of two cities in Chicago. It goes back to redlining when black residents lived in a certain neighborhood and white people lived in others, and the difference in home value and segregation between those places have been exacerbated by policy, education, wage inequality, and many other issues. Both blacks and whites were prevented from getting a loan in a redlined neighborhood. But as Redfin points out, redlining had a bigger impact on blacks because they were prevented from getting a home loan in a neighborhood where they already lived. If you combine that with discrimination against the purchase of a home in more lender-friendly neighborhoods, you get a much lower homeownership rate for African Americans. Currently, the national homeownership rate for blacks is 44%, and for whites, it's 73%. Redfin chief economist Daryl Fairweather says, the expanding homeownership gap between black and white families can in part be traced back to diminished home equity due to redlining as it's one major reason why black families today have less money than white families to purchase homes either as first-time or move-up buyers. He added that it's important to note that other factors play a role in lower homeownership rates for black families too. For instance, employment discrimination has prevented black workers from earning equitable income. The Redfin analysis compared 41 metros and found the homeownership gap was quite large in some cities. It found the biggest gap in Atlantic City, New Jersey where the homeownership rate is just 14% for black families in A neighborhoods, while it's 75% for white families. Fresno, California was second on the A neighborhood gap list, with black homeownership at just 2.5%, and white at 62%. 
Oakland, California represented the smallest homeownership gap, with blacks at 84% and whites at 85%. The gap is also small for Miami. It's 42% for blacks and 56% for whites. In 40 of the 41 metros analyzed by Redfin, the equity earned by homeowners in A neighborhoods greatly outpaced those in redline neighborhoods. Redfin found the most pronounced example of this difference in the Detroit suburb of Warren. It says home equity in A neighborhoods was 1,300% greater in 2019 than in formerly redlined neighborhoods. In dollars, that's $634,000 versus $45,000 in home equity. The one metro where properties in formerly redlined neighborhoods is worth more than other neighborhoods is Philadelphia. Redfin says that it's probably due to vacant lots located near the city center. A local Redfin agent says those lots are valuable to modern home buyers who might want a new home near the downtown. What can be done to help the situation? Redfin says that voters, policymakers, communities, and the real estate industry need to cooperate on solutions. Some advocates have suggested reparations or financial support for the black community as a whole. Suggestions also include help with down payments for homes in formerly redlined areas and lending policies that encourage more home loans in those areas by local banks. The National Association of Realtors announced a new anti-bias training for its members. It consists of a 50-minute video that attempts to raise awareness about an automatic reaction to stereotypes that prompt a person to treat people in different ways. The video goes on to suggest ways that a person can override biased reactions and treat people with respect and fairness. NAR says this is just a prelude to a more in-depth training course for agents that it plans to develop. NAR's code of ethics prohibits discrimination, but NAR president Vince Malta says, we are committed to leading the way on policies that address racial injustice and build communities where people of every color feel safe to pursue their own American dream. After the foreclosure crisis of 2008, Real Wealth Network put its focus on raising property values in formerly redlined neighborhoods. We would drive through the streets lined with boarded-up homes that had attracted vagrants and drug dealers, which, of course, drastically dropped the value of all homes in the area. At the time, we had created a partnership with Australian investors who were flush in cash because their dollar had doubled in value, while U.S. properties had tanked as much as 90% in some areas. We took these investors on real estate tours, renting buses, and driving 50 investors at a time through low-income areas in Sacramento, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Tampa, Jacksonville, Dallas, Houston, and Atlanta. The investors bought those boarded-up homes, paid for complete renovations and upgrades, and rented the properties back to locals. In some cases, we set up rent-to-own programs for people who had lost their homes to foreclosure so they could build up their credit and be owners once again. Now today, foreclosures are low, but our teams are still buying older properties in affordable areas, fixing them up to our real income property standards, renting them out to qualified tenants, and selling those tenanted properties to investors. We're hoping to have a seller financing program in place soon so that those tenants can become homeowners. If you'd like to hear some of the wonderful things that real estate investors from Black communities are doing today, you can listen to my other podcast, The Real Wealth Show, for interviews that will precede June 19th. June 19th, of course, is also known as Juneteenth. It's the oldest nationally celebrated commemoration of the ending of slavery in the U.S. And that is truly something to celebrate. 
I'm Kathy Fetke, and thanks so much for joining me here on Real Estate News for Investors. You can read the blog at newsforinvestors.com. 